calling all lovers of mystery and fans of a good story. If you haven't already heard me talk about June's journey, you're in for a treat. It's time to don your detective hat in this free hidden object mobile game that delves into the captivating journey of June Parker, a self-proclaimed detective on a quest to unravel the mystery surrounding her sister's untimely death. In June's journey, you get to play as June, deciphering clues and unveiling secret plots within thousands of beautifully illustrated scenes. And did I mention it's set in the glitzy 1920s? New chapters are added weekly, so you will never run out of new thrills to uncover, and you can also personalize and decorate your very own Orchid Island where the story takes place. How sharp are your detective skills? Find out when you download June's Journey on your Android or iOS device, or play online via Facebook games. Your detective journey awaits. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving god, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. We're standing in a greenhouse, inside of a normal house. I've never seen anything like it, obviously. We're in the living room, or what would have been the living room. There's no furniture. The carpeting's been torn out. There's a giant glass structure full of plants filling up the entire space. To make room for the top of the glass roof, part of the ceiling's been opened up. There's a hole and you can see the empty bedrooms upstairs. Or what would have been the bedrooms. Inside of the greenhouse stands an old man that simply goes by the gardener. While walking up to the gardener's house, the waitress warned me that he was a man who may seem soft and gentle, but that wasn't the case. He's dangerous. She told me to never convey any personal information. Don't talk about family. Don't tell him where you're from. And never, ever tell him your name. Not even just your first name. No matter what he tries to get more background, don't give him anything. And he will try. I told her she was making me nervous. That's good. Oh, and don't drink his tea. It's... just don't drink it. She asked me if I had a nickname back home. I told her everybody in Corvette just called me... Sleeper. The gardener steps out of his greenhouse and shakes my hand. He looks exactly like... well, the gardener. A straw hat, green apron 
yellow gardening gloves. He has a silver beard, soft smile, and big friendly eyes. They seem to grow as he comes closer, filling up with curiosity. I'm so happy to meet you, he says and shakes my hand some more. He calls himself Sleeper, the waitress says while she takes out a cigarette but doesn't light it. Sleeper needs money and he needs to skip town. Today. The gardener doesn't break eye contact with me. It makes me a little uncomfortable. His head is slightly tilted and he keeps smiling. I can help with that, he says. I have just the job for you. But first, tea. Are you thirsty? Do you like herbs? The waitress slaps me on the shoulder like an old buddy. I have to get back to the diner, she says. Take whatever job he offers you, but don't drink the tea he makes. She puts the cigarette in her mouth and walks towards the front door. Don't give him any tea, gardener. He's a good guy. The gardener is still looking at me. He doesn't even acknowledge the waitress until she opens the door to leave the house. Please close the door behind you, he says. The climate is regulated in here. After the waitress closes the door, the gardener picks up a magnifying glass from his workbench and walks back into the greenhouse. This is my laboratory. Here, I attempt to grow the Navis fruit. Have you ever heard of the Navis fruit? I shake my head and follow him into the glass house. On all sides, there's rows and rows of what seem to be the exact same plant. There's a white air conditioner or humidifier humming in the far right corner, and clipboards with notes all over the floor. You say you have never heard of this fruit, mister? He says while inspecting a leaf. I tell him people call me Sleeper. He smiles and gets back to inspecting the leaf. There are skeptics who claim the Navis doesn't exist. They say I'm not a scientist, but an alchemist. In my mind, the difference lies in one's level of ambition. There's a click, and the white machine stops humming. The gardener stands back up and looks at his watch. Ah, yes, I was afraid of this. I ask him what kind of fruit it is. It's the tastiest fruit in the world. It has more taste than anyone can imagine before trying some. It's like a drug. That's how good it is. He turns around. I love drugs. I don't know what to say, so I ask him about the job. I love drugs because they sell themselves, he says, as if I never asked anything. I love things that sell themselves. The gardener presses his hand into the base of his spine and slowly walks to the white machine. He seems to have lower back pain or something. While he pushes a couple of buttons, he asks me where I'm from. I say nothing. Legend has it that the Navis fruit leaves a stain on your skin, he says as he comes walking back my way. That never comes off. That's where it got its name. But the legend also says that the fruit has the best taste of any food in the world. And like anything that's too good, people were willing to pay a price again and again until they became unrecognizable, covered in red smears, just to taste it one more time. Just once more, that's what we tell ourselves. And people would eat so much that even their offspring was born with red stains on their faces. Even their grandchildren would carry the mark. Would you be curious to taste a piece of fruit that could destroy us all? Something that is so good that it got erased from history by the generations before us, hoping it would never grow on Earth again? I don't know what to say. Of course you are curious. 
We all want new pleasures. But first, you need money, and you need to skip town, like you said. So here's what I have to offer, he says, as he starts to take off one of his yellow gloves. You take a box, get in your new car, and you drive that box to Galena. That's two towns over to the west. When you get there, you deliver the box. I tell him I don't have a car. He pulls the glove from his hand and drops it on the floor. Then he takes one of the leaves in between his thumb and index finger and rubs it gently. You aren't listening, he says while he keeps rubbing the leaf. I'm giving you a car. It's yours, just like that. And if you deliver the package to the post office in Galena, there will be an envelope with $8,000 in cash waiting for you. I ask him what the risk is. There is no risk to you. I tell him I don't believe him. Just deliver the package. Keep the car and keep the money. But the one thing you have to consider is that you work for me from now on. Maybe I won't need you ever again. Maybe one day I'll ask you to bring something else to some other place. He comes closer and leans right up to my face. I can smell earth in his breath. I'll never force you. You can always refuse if a job doesn't feel right. You are a free man, after all. I get to make you an offer, though, whenever I want to. And my offers are usually irresistibly good. I look into his eyes. They aren't big anymore, almost disappearing into his wrinkly skin. They're retreating like turtles. Will you take the package two towns over and continue your journey into the world, sleeper? Or will you stay in this town forever and steal food to keep from starving? I tell him I'll take the job. For some reason, I'm whispering. Good Good boy, boy. he says, even though I'm well over 30 years old. The gardener tells me to hold still. Like some kind of guru, he presses his thumb and index finger onto my left cheek closes his eyes for a second. Then he smiles and says, You carry the mark now, sleeper. I don't know what I'm supposed to do, so I ask him where to go. Your new car is outside. The package is in the trunk. Close the door behind you. I try to regulate the climate in here. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts. So, for two nights straight, I was playing Temple of Sleep. Ironic, I know. Ha ha. Kevin26 and me wandered off into this part of the world that was so amazing. 
there was this entire city that was completely abandoned. I'm talking skyscrapers, huge bridges, completely empty. Not a single person living there, not a single car on the road. We were discovering a whole new part of the map. The thing was, like in all remote parts of the TOS world, there weren't that many temples around. So we weren't able to stop the game for like 50 hours straight until we finally found one. We kept playing and playing. Kevin26 guarded me while I worked the sleeper station. And I guarded him while he did his thing. I'm not sure what his job was actually. Maybe he doesn't have one. Anyway, you know when it feels like your eyes are sagging when you're tired? Well, it felt like my whole face was just being pulled from my skull by gravity. It was all coming down like syrup. The thing is, being really, really tired helped me when I worked the sleeper station. It was easier for me to sink into myself, like I talked about earlier. It seems like there's this door that leads into a kind of dream world, a world inside your mind. And the more tired you are, the closer you are to actually sleeping, the easier it gets to step through that door and disappear into yourself. To be honest, I kind of got addicted to that feeling. It's horrible to say out loud, but I think I actually got addicted to the sleeper station. I hadn't slept for two nights in a row, and I was about to start a double shift. I don't know what I was thinking. I acted like a drug fiend upping the dose each time, hunting that high, no matter how damaging it is. The first couple hours of that shift just kind of disappeared. I looked up and it was lunchtime all of a sudden. So weird. Kim was quiet while we had our lunch on the parking lot. She wasn't talking about the regulars or anything. I didn't know what was going on. The thing was, I was so tired, I basically fell asleep. So at some point, I got up and said I had to get back to work. But when I looked down, she was crying. I froze. I, I was being a baby, not sure what to do with someone else's emotions. She asked me if I liked her. I said yes. She asked me if I ever thought about leaving this place. I said yes. Kim got up and smiled at me, but she was also still crying. She asked me if I would come with her. Skip work? I asked. She said she was going to get in her car and never come back. She didn't have a plan, but she stole a chunk of cash from her father, and she was just going to leave this place. Let's go and test our luck for once, she said. Let's try and see the world. Let's go together. Every morning when I wake up, I think about that lunch. I play it in my head every second of it, like I'll be able to actually go back in time if I can relive every detail. We sit there and she cries and I tell her I'm coming with her. I tell her we should finish lunch and just drive off. She hugs me, we kiss, and we leave Corvat together. Every morning, that's what happens in my head. I'm working the sleeper station, but I'm having trouble sinking into myself. 
When I look to my left, Kim isn't there. She left Corvat weeks ago, and I'm still here, playing Temple of Sleep. Why didn't I go with her? Why did I tell her I had to go back to work? That I didn't have a choice? Of course I did. There's a new black town car parked on the sidewalk. I'm not sure if it was there when I walked up to the house with the waitress. I don't think so. The first thing I do is look at my face in the side mirror. For some reason, I expected there to be a red mark on my cheek. But there's nothing. Of course there isn't. I look bad. I look like a homeless person. The door is open and the car is really, really nice. The seats are leather. Everything looks new and fancy. I'm actually kind of intimidated to drive it. I look at all the buttons and the dashboard, and then I see it. AC. Freaking AC. I'm so excited. I'm tired of sweating all the time. I pop the trunk, and there's a small cardboard box in there. It's not even closed off with tape or anything. I'm not sure if I'm allowed to open it, so first I just pick it up. It's really light. It feels like there's nothing in there. I look up at the house. No one's watching. I open the box and quickly look inside. Nothing. The box is empty. What the hell? Why am I driving an empty box to another town? It's a test. That must be it. He's testing me. I get in the car and turn the key. It was in the ignition waiting for me. The bag of food I stole from the diner is on the back seat. I want to eat all of it, but I decide to wait as long as I can. I'm not sure when I'll get my next meal. I turn the block and try to find the main road. It feels really good to get out of Happy Peopleville. I've been here for way too long. I was supposed to be on the other side of the desert by now. But I have a feeling this won't be the last time I get stopped in my tracks. Leaving Corvat isn't easy. That place is like a magnet, pulling at everything that was born there. I'll probably encounter more people, non-human beings that will try to persuade me to go back to my sleeper station. I can't give in though. I have to keep going. I have to keep fighting the pull and travel deeper west. Ah, I found the main road. Awesome, I'm on my way. The gardener said this place Galena is two towns over, so it shouldn't take too long. <laughs> Famous last words.
Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am extremely excited to invite you to Rachel Uncensored. It's my podcast where I sit down and get real with my friends and celebrity guests, where we talk about all sorts of topics. And sometimes we might be under the influence when we do so. We cover things from personal stories to hot button issues. And it's the only place on the internet you can find an uncensored version of me. It's a side of me that you might not have seen before because it's not the most family or brand friendly. But don't worry, I'm still sort of slightly a decent human being. If you're intrigued, then make sure you check it out. New episodes drop every Wednesday. You can find it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored.